0: So I bet you some of you are thinking, Oh no, let me see how far their notes are and how long I still have to sit. I know I've often thought that. Um and Mandy and I were laughing about it the other day. That's my daughter-in-law. She's not here today. She's with the youth camp. She's involved. And I love it that I've got a daughter-in-law that's doing that. Nathan is here. Our other two boys couldn't be here. And the reason is amazing. Tyron has moved and is looking at Jubilee as a church. And he's getting into the community. The other boy, Jonah, and, um, Jonah is married to Misha. They're involved in the church in the inner city. And because of work constraints, she hasn't been able to be with the community for the last two weeks. And so for her, it was really important that they be with their community today. And as parents, we think that's, that's amazing. We met Paul probably... I don't know how old you were, Paul. We were living in Moy River and we used to get our uh, worship teams used to come up. Josh is going to talk a little bit about that. Worship teams used to come up and sing for us because we didn't have a fully fledged worship team. And Paul, sprightly young man he is, he came up to Moy River with the worship team. And who knew that years later we would be serving with Paul on, on an eldership team? God's tapestry of things is amazing. Josh and I were at a conference. 14 years ago, 15, 16 maybe years ago, and it was a conference of about 4,000 people. Josh looked across the conference, saw Pete's eyes, I don't even know if Pete remembers that, but clicked and Josh said, we need to move to Cape Town and so that's what we did and uh, this for parents this is encouragement never leave your children out of your decisions in the home you're a family you're praying together and so we started praying together with the boys Jonathan was just going to go to high school Nathan and Tyron were still in primary school and we started praying about what to do Um, most of our prayer would always be always sit at a table at night with kids that's so important would be around the dinner table after dinner Uh, I remember Jonathan saying Praying and saying, uh, you know, this season. So Jonathan now was, was grade seven. He's saying, This season that we've been in has been parfait. Our next season is baked beans. <laughs> and that was so prophetic because a lot of the season has been baked bean tin after baked bean tin after baked bean tin. But now I'm going to. Uh, 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 so, so, two things. The, the next thing that I want to say is, Pete, thank you. When we arrived here, the first thing, so ladies you that are outspoken and strong, this is to encourage you. Remember, you've got knocks along the way, but you're going to learn. Pete stood up and said, and I thought, I'm in a safe place. Said, I'm not afraid of strong women. So I knew I was in a safe place. And you're in a safe place here with Paul and Kate, because Paul is a prodigy of Pete. He mentioned that he had lived with Pete and Jan for a while when he was in Peter Maritzburg. The second thing, Jan and I were talking the other day and we were laughing. We were saying, and with all respect, these 30 year somethings just don't listen to us. They can't hear what we're saying. And then we laughed at it because we looked back and we thought, but we were there once too. We did exactly the same. I mean, old people didn't know what they were talking about. Okay, so Titus 2 talks of older women training the younger women. And at 60, I think I'm qualified to give you some little bit of encouragement today. People and their stories are important. Often when we know a person's story, we will have a lot more empathy and understanding for them. One of my stories gets a great amount of laughs around the dinner table, and the story was my first introduction to Stellenbosch. So, lesson one. This would, uh, God gives you the desires of your heart. So, think, uh, Bachelor, think Bursuk of Fro, think Internet dating. Um, when all those years ago, like maybe 25, 30 years ago, there was no such thing, but there was Farmers Weekly and Hitching Post. And, Thank <laughs> And I sent my name into Hitching Post. I was trying to arrange God's plan for me. And I got a lot of replies. And it was very funny. Some of the guys, they sent their pictures and you saw what they looked like. A lot of them were in the army because that was the day when everybody went to the army. Um, and then I, I got a very interesting one. I've always been involved. I've always loved writing, been involved in journalism, writing. And I got one from a guy who was a journalist in Stellenbosch. And so this, without meeting him, was going to be my dream man. And my dad very wisely paid for a ticket it flew me down to Stellenbosch and uh, let me meet the guy. He, my, dad's, my dad's thinking, and he didn't tell me, was I needed to get this out of my system, which I actually did. He wasn't the right guy for me. But uh, the one thing I do remember about Stellenbosch is thinking, this is an amazing place. And there was a desire that God just heard me thinking. And all these years later, that desire was fulfilled. And we've lived in Stellenbosch and loved Stellenbosch. So that was the first lesson. God gives you the desires of your heart. The second lesson is choose a community, stay close to it, and invest in it. And so, so we've, we, we started, when, before we started Salenbosch, we were already running a life group here. So I see Craig's here, uh, Ellie and Johannes were sometimes part of that, and I'm not sure who else. And we came through every week and ran a life group here, but we're still at Somerset West. And that life group ran, uh, we ran it until we started, and then we were still running it when the, when the church started here. And we had, the age group ran from... I think it was 19 to 73. We had three students in our life group. In those days, the student all life groups ran on Wednesdays, except Josh and Sandy's. Ours was always on a different day. We ran on a Thursday, and those three students couldn't make Wednesdays because of sports commitments, and so they came to ours. So if some of you remember Kazi, she was one of them, and then there were two big, big. Rugby guys. They played rugby on a Wednesday. They called Josh Worm and they joined our life group. And we had a lot of fun around the life group. Another life group that we had was you sitting here was with uh, Sean and Sue. I've got to try and look at you, remember? Chris and Adele, Rob and Karen. And this life group was an amazing life group. Um, We used to eat meals together every week. We Actually, because it was a business life group, we met every second week. And because we met every second week, we grew to 20 eventually. And, and we'd sit around a table and share our stuff and eat food. And that was a life group that helped us, Josh and I, through our trials so, so much. So that's, that's the lesson. Learn to uh, No, that's lesson two. I'm getting mixed up here. Choose a community, stay close to it, and invest in it. So we chosen that community. Third thing, learn to say yes to things as well as no. However, say yes a lot more than you say no. So as you know, my husband is the, is the a social, more social one than me. I come to church and then I think, oh, I have to go home and recover. And I cannot tell you how often, and not because I don't love people, I energize on my own. And so Josh would often come to me and say, we need so-and-so for lunch on Sunday. Can we have them at church? You'd say, I've invited so-and-so, or can we have so-and-so? And And then I'd have to learn to say yes, which is what I did do. So that's why I'm saying learn to say yes more than you say no. But then when do you say no? You say no when the passion is gone for what you love. You say no, you you put in boundaries, you have a break, you recover, and then you say yes again. So that's learn to say yes to things as well as no. However, say yes a lot more than no. Uh, lesson four. God is faithful in seeing the trial through with you. So he sees the trial through with you. He doesn't take us out of trials. And then he takes you through one trial and then you have a high moment and then the next trial comes along. It's character that God is interested in. And, and we went through quite a difficult... Uh, Financial period, our car broke down, and at the time we had four drivers in the house, two of the boys had got their licenses, and I see Steve's not here, but Steve borrowed us, lent us a car, Steve and Deborah. Steve lent us a car. Jonathan at the moment was living at home at the time, and he was DJing for money. And so he took the car off to the after party, Parfait After Party in Somerset West, and we got that, Moms, we got that call at three in the morning, and Jonathan said somebody had driven into his car. And so we borrowed someone else's car, and here now the car had crashed. Um, but this was a trial that we got through, and there's so many other stories we can tell you of that season. But the life group, our community, was there for us. And you remember in the trial, nobody just takes you out. People pray you through. They encourage you through it. And I think that's very important. Lesson five, which is the same as that one, community is important. Uh, Yeah, I'm not going to, because that's what I'm saying there. Lesson six, students need families. Students, put up your hands. Who needs to go to a family? Yeah. Don't be shy. Students need families. So uh, over the years, uh, Josh and I ran, I'll put up, pictures now. Now Josh and I ran a student life group on a Sunday. I went to boarding school and Sunday afternoon was one of the lo- loneliest times at boarding school. So I figured varsity, because you're boarding, must also be one of the loneliest times. So Josh and I started an evening, Sunday evening life group for students and we ate around the table and we had a lot of fun. Um, and so what, I, what the take home is, your yeah, families take students in. Students don't be afraid to go to a family say, I'm coming to visit. As Paul said, help babysit. Do whatever. Just be available. Cut the lawn. Yeah, cut the lawn. Yeah. Okay. Lesson seven. And I think take home, this is probably one of the biggest lessons I've learned. Paul alluded to it. Corin wrote me the most amazing letter. Uh, Corin and I are the same age. That's Corin, the headmistress from Carmel High. And when you're older, it's never too late to get a new best friend. And Karen and I are really, really good friends. So lesson seven, no no one is exempt from social justice. I have never been very good with the poor, brokenhearted, or the captive. Yet these are the very people that God tells us in Isaiah 61 to tell the good news to and to comfort. My thinking was we would give the money and others would go and do the telling and the comforting. But the money never came to send others to do the telling and the comforting. And so so I I, later on, I studied late in life through UNISA, and I did a literature degree. And I would said to Josh, when I finish my literature degree, I want to do my teaching degree now. And he'd had enough of me studying and all the stress and all that. And he said, no, I don't think so. Rather get on with your literature and write. And then six years later, Josh said, I think I was wrong. I think you need to do your PGCE. And I looked at him and said, I'm now 58 years old and you want me to do my PGCE? So, I actually did, and and I struggled through it, and at times, I wanted to give up and then this is where community came in again. Those of you who know Tracy Millen, she was very involved in education and she and worked with PGCE students, and she kept saying to me don 't give up don 't give up and Then, on my one teaching practice, I decided to, I decided I need to go to a disadvantaged school, but you know my, my good white prejudice thought, "How am I going to cope with dirty toilets?" and how am i going to cope with 23-year-old students, 20 of them, on teaching prac. Um, I coped with both. And the, the woman who, who is the cleaner, and I think she could do a lot more that she's doing, at Calmore now, her and our very close friends. And the students that were there, one of them was even in Jonathan's class at school, the teaching prac students that I was amongst. I'm still in contact with some of them today, and they've helped me so They They helped me at that time. I mean, they taught me so much about the computer and how to do stuff. Um, But but yeah, was where God taught me about social justice. I found my niche in the social justice specter. Uh, Yeah, specter, I think that's the right word. And so I did, as Paul alluded to, I did practical teaching, I did fundraising, and then eventually I was paid to do a position. And so the things, I'm going to end off here and then show you a couple of pictures. So the things that I learned uh, were teaching Carmel. you're never too old to do new things. Um, you uh, go into the community. Don't be afraid. They're people like you and me. And then find out where your passion initiates with social justice and give yourself fully to it. So I'm just going to end quickly with pictures because pictures, for me, when I teach, I teach with a lot of pictures. Uh, can we put those pictures on the screen? I'm just going to work through them very quickly. Okay, so that is Sabina. So students, Sabina was amazing. Uh, Ollie and them will remember her. Your older people, Amanda, will remember Sabina. Sabina arrived at our home one day and said, I'm cooking you dinner. And she cooked us dinner. I think you guys were still living at home when she cooked us dinner. Next picture. Next picture. That's Kimmy. Kimmy came here for one year to do honours from Pretoria. I've never seen a girl get so involved in one year as Kimmy. So she took community serious, invested in it, and got involved in it. Okay, next picture. Okay, that's life group. That's in uh, Chris and Adele's home, and that's what our life group looked like. Next picture. That's also life group. That was in our home with the same life group sitting around the table eating and sharing. Okay, next picture. Uh, we were away. Tyron sent us a picture and said, "Mom, you can't believe how many people are in our home. You can't see them sitting on—Oopsie! You can't see them sitting on the stairs, but there were a whole lot of people up the stairs. Have open homes." Next picture. Uh, I, I can't even remember this, but this was a bunch of students we were with. Graham over there got married about two months ago, and so that was just Amanda. You there? Christelle's there. bunch of students. Okay. Next picture. Uh, this was our student life group. As you can see, some of them are still here. There's Jody. Uh, uh, next picture, and i to tell you the story about that next picture. So Chanda's in Sweden, and I couldn't find this picture. And yesterday, I messaged Chanda and said, "Have you got this picture?" And isn't isn't uh, life amazing that he could just send me the picture within like two minutes? Okay, next picture. Uh, this was a this was an outreach we went on to to Worcester actually, and Herod, uh, not Harrod. Clarence, sorry. Clarence runs the church in Worcester. And our very first service we went to at New Gen, Clarence preached. And now he's running a church. It's fun to go. Go. If you're asked to go, if you're asked to go to Zimbabwe, if you're asked to go anywhere, go. It's fun. Next picture. Uh, so uh, this is, this. just get involved with kids. Help babysit. It's fun. We've taught the Hudson kids to climb walls and do all sorts of things Kate doesn't like to see. <laughs> Next picture. Uh, get involved in social justice. This is Nathan doing a Woodward class at Arm. Next picture. Uh, this is Nathan again. Sorry, I just loved this picture. This is Nathan working at a preschool. And notice the boys there. Nathan's got his shirt in his pants and all the boys were copying him. <laughs> they need mentors. Kids need mentors. Next picture. Okay, this is Carmel. Uh, these two girls, these two girls have got a better chance at life because they're at the Sams Delta One farm. Their mom and dad work there, and Sams Delta looks after their workers and their children and all that really well. Kids love to have pictures with you. Next picture. Okay, this is the new thing I'm involved in. I've just started. It's called Sapila Sodonka, and it's an aftercare in Krabow, and I'm working there with those girls with school in a box, which is an amazing tool. You can ask me about it afterwards. Next picture. Final picture. That's where we live. And you're welcome.
1: Thanks, babes. That was absolutely awesome. Yeah, Thanks for the opportunity just to share a few of the learnings that we've had here and elsewhere in our journey. It's a real privilege. And I'll try and be quick because I know this is getting on a little bit now. Um, but we hope this is going to be blessing, a blessing to you. The first was, um, for me, is just learning to be a pilgrim. And I think many of you may remember the story of the people of Israel and how they went from um, Egypt to the Promised Land and they had to go through the wilderness for a period of, of 40 years. Um, and God's presence was with them the whole time and that's the reassuring thing for us to know is that in our journey as well God's presence is going to be with us and God actually really helped the guys by actually giving them a graphic illustration of his presence and in the daytime that presence was represented by a cloud and at the nighttime that presence was represented by a pillar of fire but when that pillar moved the people had to move and sometimes God would have the guys camp there, set up the whole camp, and a week later, the cloud would move. And they'd have to pack up everything, get onto their camels, or whatever, they had camels probably, just walk to the next place that that the cloud would stop. And then they had to set up camp and start all over again. So sometimes those periods would be short, sometimes those periods would be for many, many years. So what I want to encourage you to do is to be ready... To stay for as long as God calls you, to stay in a place, and to be invested while you're here, as if you're never going to move, and commit yourself to being part of the community and getting involved in things, but also to hold things lightly and to be ready to move when God calls you to move. And I just want to share a story. Um, You know, Pete always used to say that uh, in this area, one of our challenges he always used to use the statement that it's my berg, my kachel, and my roi vein. Okay. And that can be a seduction for us. And so for just for the, for the Americans here, um, that is my mountain, my fireplace, and my red wine. And I might just also add maybe my mountain bike. But those are all things where, <laughs> those are things are pleasures for us. They're also potentially seductions. And I remember we used to live in Somerset West, and we used to look out onto the Hottentots Holland Mountains. I used to love them, but I used to feel like the Lord prompting me to say, listen, this is beautiful, but be careful that this doesn't become something that actually hems you in, that prevents you from moving on, in in a sense, almost becoming a prison. And it kind of feels strange to think that mountains could be a prison or something beautiful like that could be a prison. But we need to be prepared not to hang on to the past and hang on to those conveniences that we have. But when that mountain moves to actually be prepared uh, to move. But as I said earlier, if God's calling you to stay, get invested here. God never wants us to get into a rut and to just tread on and on and to be kind of uninvolved. And I think some of these examples that we've had over the last couple of weeks have been amazing with Serf Stellenbosch and they are opportunities for you to get involved here and now and to plow into the community. So while you're here, be invested as if you're never going to move, but be ready to move if God says you should move. Okay, um, the second le- learning that I just want to share with you is that each of our journeys are unique. And a friend of mine Roger, he sometime a while ago, he gave me a prophetic picture and he said that I was called to be a mountaineer and to climb mountains, but not to be a mountaineer that follows existing tracks, but I was to be a mountaineer that actually discovered and charted new tracks. Now that was a journey that God's actually given us to walk and me to walk, not the journey that everyone else has to necessarily walk. But one of the things he also said to me was, you need to learn that you have to travel with a light backpack. Because if you carry one of those backpacks that's full with all the extra stuff, you can't do what you call to do, which is go and chart new tracks and, and trails. You need to have a lean and mean backpack. And he encouraged me not to be jealous of others that maybe have bigger backpacks, but to be comfortable with the backpack that God has given me. So in the last little while, God has actually been stripping us <laughs> of some of the stuff that we've had And making us a lot leaner and a lot kind of more, um, what's the word? Uh, Yeah, agile, um, and getting rid of a lot of our excesses. And um, that process has happened a lot of it while we've been here um, in Stellenbosch. And some of the restoration after that has also taken place while being here. So it's been a period of God's pruning. Um, During that period, we had to sell our house under duress at at a stage we didn't even have access to a, a use of a car. But on all of that, we've seen that God has been faithful. And now when we're leaving, um, we came here fairly debt kind of um, uh, laden. And we're now leaving with a place where we've actually, God has actually freed us from all of that thing. And we've actually got savings, which is an amazing testament to God. Um, and just us embracing that process, which wasn't easy, but has been an amazing blessing to us. Um, so our kind of challenge is to, as we go forward, no matter what God does with us in terms of how he blesses us, is to still uh, travel light. So I just want to encourage you that whatever race God has run or has got for you to run, to run your own race. And then encourage you as well just to run that as unencumbered as you possibly can. So that you can achieve the, the end that God wants for you to achieve. The third one has been learning to pursue truth. And in John 8, 32, John records, he says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So it's the truth that sets people free, and it's the key, and the key to that is knowing the truth, which is the Word of God. And that's what God is encouraging us to do: is to pursue a knowledge of the truth, and allow the Holy Spirit, as you're reading, to actually reveal the truth to you, because the Holy Spirit is the Bible says that He is the Spirit of Truth. So I'm going to encourage you to, to do that. Um, I had the privilege while I've been both in Somerset West and here to work through also this, the other thing was a theology book because I think it's really key as Christians that we actually know what we believe and we can actually give a defense of, of, of what our beliefs are. And so we were given, when we left wherever River, we were given this book, Renewal Theology, by a guy called Rodman Williams. And that's a thick book like this. And I remember being completely inundated what intimidated by this book because I thought, how the heck am I going to ever get through this? And I remember speaking to Pete and he said, why don't you get a bunch of guys together and just read it through together because you'll encourage each other. So for me, it's like the equivalent of gym buddies or training buddies that they hold you accountable, you know. If you said you're going to do that training, then they're there and they make sure that you did it. So the strategy we had was we would meet every second week. We'd have a little portion to read. We'd read it in the week and then we'd just get together and have a coffee and a breakfast and chat it through. And that for me... Other than the Word of God has been the most powerful thing in terms of rooting me in truth and um, and John yeah, and in my Christian faith and well, my, in my walk. So for the guys that I've done it with here, for Otto and Dirk and Jordan and Geertin and Jono, and then Josh and, and David, who, who were with part of the group previously, I really want to thank you guys for all those many weeks getting up early, early coffees occasional breakfasts, and um, for just the inputs into my life, as we've just debated and kind of grappled with scriptures and the truth that it's imparted into into me. So I really want to encourage you as you go forward, um, just to apply these two key learnings which I've gathered from that process. And the one is that the key thing is that we get to know God's character. Because everything that God does is consistent with his character. So when you're looking at theological issues... Always come back to is this consistent with the character of God? Because if it isn't, then it's probably not true. Okay. And then the second thing is that we need to take all of Scripture into account. Because when we look at just one Scripture, we're actually seeing part of a picture. We're not seeing the whole picture. And God wants us to see the whole picture. So those were just two key learnings from that, that process I'd just like to leave you with. And then the last one I want to share is just we need to learn to build friendships and leave deposits in people's um, lives. Because you know when we leave a place, the only thing we leave with are the friendships we have and the deposits that we've actually put in into people's lives. Um, and I just want to thank um, Pete and Jan for the friendship we've had and for the deposits that you guys have put in into our lives. We wouldn't be where we are if it weren't for you two guys. And I want to thank you as well for the deposits that you've also put Paul's life, Ollie's life, Steph's life. Because we are living now in the fruit of those inputs and deposits that you put faithfully into all of our lives. So I just want to thank you and honor you for what you've done and for the friendship and the input that you've put into us. Can we just honor them right now? Thank And then I just want to thank Stefan, Kaz, and Paul and Kate, and Ollie and Debs, and many of you others. I'm not going to mention you all by name for the wonderful friendships that we've shared while we've been here, um, for the way that you've invested in our lives, for the deposits that you've put in our lives, for grappling through things with us, working through things with us. We very much appreciate it, and we'll never forget it. Um, so I just want to yeah thank you very much, guys, for everything. And we're certainly going to miss this community. You're an awesome bunch of people. We just feel God set you up for an awesome success into the future. So go for it. And uh, yeah, run hard for the kingdom. Thanks.
2: I won't be uh, very much longer. Just to be two more minutes and we'll break communion together. But I just want to... Challenge us in ending as we pray off Josh and Sands today into the new adventures. I think you can join with me in 1 Peter 4 in saying it as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And I I don't want to just leave it a moment for Josh and Sands. I want to throw out that net to us and ask, will you be with us? Will you be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms? Will you be sorely missed when you leave? Will you be celebrated, not because you puffed up your own glory, but for the glory of Christ's name? Are you willing to use your gifts? Are you willing to be the the faithful stewards in between that sandwich where the pressure sometimes gets quite high? Are you willing and determined to be a faithful steward? And I think in our hearts we want to resonate and say, Father, we want to be those people. Would you show us how? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? And I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to apply those things into our lives. As we break communion together, as is our habit and a wonderful thing to do to be reminded because Christ said do this often in remembrance of me this week. I don't know if any of you followed the um, the hostage situation in France. I don't know if you saw that in the news and um, uh, an ISIS member took captive some guys and one of the French policemen incredibly bravely went in and offered his himself in exchange for one of the women and the guy said okay and released the woman and took him as captive and I was very sad to read last night that he's actually died from his wounds from that hostage situation and the takedown that happened of that guy, the ISIS guy, the policeman died and as I, as I read that I just just had bells ringing in my head. Like, Does this ring a bell? Does this ring a bell hostage situation an exchange And a death. And my thoughts turned to my precious Savior and how we were all hostages. And some of you this morning may still be. You've never said yes to this king. Held captive by sin with a gun to our head that we could never get rid of. That was us. Being held hostage by one far more evil than anything the world has ever seen that makes ISIS look like playing in a sandpit. But then Jesus... But then Jesus, willing to exchange himself for our release, suffering serious injuries in the process and ending up dead on a wooden cross. But then unlike the French policeman, Jesus rose victorious three days later from the grave. And because of that, he removed forever the gun from our head. Forever. The exchange is permanent. We are set free not just one hostage not just one grateful woman in france today but billions of grateful people through the centuries around the world and i want to encourage us that as we take communion today to think of this exchange to think of our savior who's not just called us to work who's not just called us to be willing to use our gifts and its various forms of grace to people as faithful stewards but we look to jesus who's done that who said, I saw what you laid before me and I did it as a faithful servant of God the Father. So can I ask if our musos will come and sing us a song and let's, let's break bread together.